Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Hey there, guys, from KQED Public Radio. This is Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer, Senior Politics Editor here at KQED. And I'm Marisa Lagos, part of the Politics Posse here. Today, our special post-primary edition of The Breakdown. Wait, the election's over? The election's (laughs) over. Also today, Scott Schaefer's birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. And as you can hear, we have special guests in the studio. I'm going to introduce them in a moment. But first... Is Tuesday election in the rearview mirror? It seems like it's ballots kind of, are still going. There's still counted. some ballot counting, but uh, yeah, the day is in the rearview mirror. Thank and, God. Uh, actually, in a few minutes, we're going to be hearing uh, from Josh Newman, who uh, is or was <laughs> we the don't know. We got to ask Senator him. from Orange County. He was recalled by voters Tuesday uh, over his vote for the gas tax increase. And for the special edition, we have a full house here at KQED to do it with. KQED's Katie Orr came all the way from our Sacramento bureau. <laughs> hey, Katie. Hey, Katie. Hi, guys. <laughs> and our friend and from the San Francisco Chronicle, Mr. Joe Garofoli. Hey, Joe. Hello. All the Great way from 901 Mission? All the way from the way. 10 minutes away. How so was that commute? It was, it was lovely. <laughs> so we, we have a lot to talk about. But first, but first, we just want to ask each of you, think about election night. Uh, Katie, I know yeah. you were in San Diego with yes. Mr. Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, what what stood out for you? What was your favorite moment? What uh, favorite moment? Weirdest moment? I mean, usually on the show, right, we talk a lot about what got people into politics and sort of the behind the scenes stuff. I'll start. I'll give you guys a moment to think about it. OK, I know my answer. Okay, go. <laughs> well, I, as you guys know, I used to cover City Hall in San Diego. And so I covered many elections, well, many, four years worth of elections in San Diego. So it was pretty cool to go back there. And I, I saw a bunch of people that I used to cover and work with at City Hall and got to sort of reintroduce myself to them. And that was fun. Didn't My you ha- see Mr. Carl DeMaio? When I did. I there. saw Carl DeMaio down there. I saw, oh, Kevin Faulkner was there, although I didn't talk to him. The former city attorney was there. And all, all the big, big-time San Diego Republicans. Aguirre. I did not. Not, not him. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Jan Goldsmith. Okay. Mm-hmm. My heart dropped when you said that. I thought she was going to say she saw Bob Filner, and I was like, oh, oh gosh. No, 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 no. I don't think he's welcome <laughs> at any of those parties places, anymore. Yes. All right, Joe, where, where were you? What were you doing? Well, I was at the Chronicle. I'll give you a little sort of inside the, the newsroom uh, peek. 
uh, shortly after midnight, we went in and recorded a podcast with uh, John Diaz and Heather Knight, Dom Fercasa, and, and John Watermuth about sort of recapping the evening, as you guys were doing here. And uh, so we do it. And we were talking about uh, London Breed, uh, up 10 points, and uh, it looks like uh, she's running comfortably for mayor, running Francisco. for mayor of San Francisco. And then we get out of there, and uh, <laughs> Leno has taken, <laughs> taken over the lead. And uh, we're like, oh, a bleep. Uh, and we had to re-record parts of the podcast because they were already had been lapped by the news. Yeah, Marisa and I got home, I think. I was home. Yeah. Were, I, I was home. I don't know where you were. But, uh, <laughs> and I looked at my phone. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Leno, Leno's in front. Post-nightcap, too. I was like, Post i got to redo this blog post now. Um, but, better. But far, far. Yeah, exactly. My writing improves dramatically. Far, far before that, though, at the beginning of the night, Scott and I went out a little bit, tried to get out of the newsroom before we had mm-hmm. to come back and report on stuff. I got to go to Mark Leno, San Francisco mayoral candidates party in the Castro and hang out with some drag queens. And yes. you know, like, that doesn't That's happen fun. every Wait a day. Drag queens in the cast? I know, shocking. <laughs> Juanita looked fab. Uh, look at my Twitter feed if you want to. Scott, did you have any? I have sort of a, like, and I, I, I tweeted this because it was just, it's kind of sappy, but I went down to City Hall, San Francisco City Hall, at about 6.30 in the evening just to kind of see what was happening at the registrar's office. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people lined up to vote, mostly young people, like in their 20s, Many of them, their first election in San Francisco. And I, I just got kind of choked up. I, I swear. <laughs> I got kind of sentimental. It's like, this is democracy. Yeah. You know, we oh, get, absolutely. It's easy yeah. to be that's, cynical. That's, that's, mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, the candidates are jaded and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, to see people lined up and really wanting to participate, it was, uh, yeah. it was cool. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like, we have to remember, like, when I explain to my kids what we're doing, I mean, it is exciting. And and actually, best post-election moment was my son's five-year-old preschool mate who asked, do you guys wear special, basically, like, superhero suits when you're on the radio? <laughs> oh. So we're going to work I, on well, that. We are, we are today. Are, no. You know, <laughs> let's create the theater of the During mind. The break, right during the break. During the break. I like the mask. Yeah. The well, let's get to some election stuff. <laughs> because Guy Marzarati's back there, our director, saying, when are they going to start talking about the election? Um Governor's race. Let's start at the top. Uh, Katie, you were down in San Diego with uh, with John Cox, who yeah. got a big boost from uh, El Presidente, Mr. <laughs> Trump. Well, what was the mood like down there? Do they do they think for? I mean, they're obviously happy, but right. do, do they think they got to run here? I mean, yes. Yeah, they if you talk to them, they will say yes. In 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 their opinion, this presents voters with a really clear choice. You're not just choosing between you know two liberal versus moderate Democrats, right? You're choosing between like a real Republican and a a real liberal. So they think that gives them a benefit. A choice, not an echo. Exactly. Because there are a lot of people who (laughs) in California may see Gavin Newsom as liberal, former mayor of San Francisco, not someone in their wheelhouse. And they're hoping that businessman, you know, moderate John Cox can fill that void, although he's going to have to really sort of run away from the Donald Trump endorsement that he played up in the primary. Right. I mean, this is such an interesting thing. And, and it, it makes it may as you were talking, I was thinking about a story one of our colleagues did at Cal Matters today, Laura Rosenhall, looking at the difference between donors to Antonio Villaraigosa, the Democrat who did not make it into the runoff and Gavin Newsom and how many more sort of small donors Gavin had and how that does sort of speak to some excitement on the ground. And I'm just wondering, like, is is Cox going to be able to do that? Because if you look at his campaign so far, it's very much establishment Republicans. He probably got votes because they are next to his name. But well, and a lot of his own money as well. Exactly. And so I think that, like, now the question is, can he really get people excited? And I don't I, know. I don't know if the Republican donors are going to come out for him now. They, It's sort of mission accomplished for them. All we wanted was a guy at the <laughs> top of the ticket. Abandon him now. Yeah, what's, I mean, if you're, if you're a Republican donor, what's the return on investment on 
on plopping money on John Cox. When you could point. be putting it on Kevin DeLeon, right? You, <laughs> yes, that, or, that? or looking at the congressional races and these other down ticket right. ones that they wanted him on the top of the ticket to help right. drive turnout. I mean, the gas tax is part of that. But let me just play uh, devil's advocate here. And, uh, you know, Matt Shoup, who uh, is spokesperson for... Uh, Mr. Cox uh, on his Facebook page today was just saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is not the slam dunk for Gavin Newsom. I mean, you know, look, you think back to the last 2016 election, right? You know, Hillary had it in the bag. Is there something we could be missing? No. Yeah. I will will just say that, you know, I do think there are people out there, and we talked about it in the primary, that say California has been primarily controlled by Democrats for what, the last decade plus, you know, Uh, sure, the economy is good now, but, you know, no one can afford to live in the major cities. Homelessness has gotten out of control. Traffic is horrible. And you heard Cox saying this in his uh, election night speak speech, putting that on Gavin Newsom and the Democrats, which is a fair argument. Mm -hmm. And I think that to to Scott's point, you're right. I mean, Gavin shouldn't be taking anything for granted. And if you look at where like states tend to skew different it is in state houses with governors right you can have a blue state and a red governor that happens it's happened here yeah yeah but here here's the problem uh, 51 nobody knows who john cox is 51 percent right. of likely voters say they have no opinion of cox so he doesn't but that could be a good and, thing <laughs> not not with 22 weeks left uh, and and he doesn't have any money to he has 124 grand in the bank right you know and uh, tim rosales told me the other day he said yes uh, that's um, uh, cox's campaign manager he said uh, john is willing to do what it takes and we know what that means that means writing a big check but how big of a check can he write you, look at meg whitman uh, she wrote a 144 million dollar check and she what still if lost. there yeah. is something let's let's just throw into the mix here voter apathy assumptions that he's going to win do voters stay home democratic voters stay it's home it's a midterm well and there's i don't so think... many other things to bring him to the right polls, exactly right? they're not you think stay so home. Prob- i mean probably for yeah. sure i think the national effect is going to be too big for a lot of voters to turn away from you know there's so much momentum in other races that i think that's what gets them out to the polls. And that's why it was yeah. so important for them to have a Republican there. Yeah. yeah. And then you're talking about, uh, Katie, the strategy that they that Cox has is, is a smart strategy. And he's right. I mean, that, that's that's probably the only lane he can go in here. But as A. Smith, uh, you know, the, the Newsom's top strategist said, you know who else used that strategy? Neil Kashkari. <laughs> And who? He, who? And, Explain yeah. to people. Because, I mean, seriously, people probably don't remember <laughs> yes. him. Well, yes. And that was part of his problem. He ran against Jerry Brown in 2014 and he lost by 20 points. Yeah. So, so what, and there's another wealthy businessman who nobody knew. You know, there's a lot of talk, and you know, Cox made a joking reference to it when he was, you know, complaining that all Newsom talks about is Donald Trump, and he said, "Well, if he wants to talk about Trump, why doesn't he run for president?" Which, uh, you know, I think many people would say is a thought that's occurred to Gavin Newsom once <laughs> or twice. Uh, he told us rather emphatically he was not running for president. I didn't ask him about vice president. Uh, and I'm, just, so I'm just wondering, I mean, if the guy wins, no matter who wins, but if he wins, he is going to immediately be part of the national conversation. Does he need to worry about that and you know, looking like he's like thinking beyond California? Well, you can tell when he's on the campaign trail how much. I mean, he, he keeps repeating that mantra. I'm not running. I'm not running. And I think he and I believe that he is focused on this race. I mean, he's been in politics long enough to know that, you know, he can't take it for granted. You one stumble, one big error or one big scandal. spread in vogue. Oh, gosh, everybody. Google that. Um, <laughs> Please don't. So we have a couple of minutes before our break. Should we talk about Me Too? Because I think that is 
Yes, let's do that. Me too. The, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the impact, and I think this, you know, we're not going to talk a lot about the Senate race, but obviously this was the era, the election of the Me Too movement, uh, or We Said Enough up in Sacramento. You know, how do we think that played out either for women candidates or for people like Kevin DeLeon, who had a, you know, had, was his house up in Sacramento where that was uh, happening? I, <clears throat> By I house, the- I mean... The legislature. Yeah. Right. Yeah, clear. <laughs> nice oh, clarification. The, uh, well. I think the one person who was it was interesting wait, wasn't able to take advantage of it was Delane Easton, and you know as the only woman running for governor, and I think there was a reluctance there on her campaign, uh, just in light of uh, it was you know it started just a few months after the uh, national election, and she just I, she's relatively the same age as Hillary Clinton, and you know, from understand they they didn't want to quite go there. She wasn't comfortable going there, but she has a she has a history as a pioneer. She could have talked about issues well, and like that. And she seemed to do it later in the campaign when she it was did. Sort of too yeah. late. She but I think Scott, I heard you talking about this earlier. She's been out of the limelight for several years, and we all know, you know, we're in this. We know who these people are, but there are people who don't. You don't know who their right. own elected, current elected officials are. So to you know, run on that, I think. It's almost as if she was coming. She was a brand new face to a lot of people. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could say and, that about Vera Gosset. Right, right. Let's put this in context. Yeah. It's like, yes, we know. I, I mean, I didn't know she was. I was in college last time she was in elected office. I mean, to me, the interesting thing. We were laughing. We should explain to folks about Kevin DeLeon's house because his roommate <laughs> was one of the senators that got taken out by the Me Too movement, Tony Mendoza, who ran to, not only to keep his seat that he had already resigned because of the scandal over him being inappropriate with some younger staffers, but also was on the same ballot twice. Once to keep his or to regain his seat that for this term and then another to get it again. He lost both times um, and he will be replaced by a woman. And then we should mention, I think, also that both uh, um, Assembly members uh, Boca Negra and Matt DeBobne, uh, were who were also ousted by this Me Too movement and some really, I think, more extreme accusations against them were both replaced by Democrats. But interestingly, female uh, the only female who's been accused of any sort of impropriety, Christina Garcia, has is in the runoff for her own assembly seat again. So and she came in first. Yeah, right? she came in first. I mean, it was, I think, you know, less than 30 percent of the vote. So it yeah. wasn't exactly a resounding endorsement. But I think nationally, you saw women do very well. Well, right? here in California, Eleni Kunalakis came in first for lieutenant governor. So we could potentially, if she can beat Ed Hernandez, if she does, she would be the first female lieutenant governor we have in California. And I do think that the momentum, everything you know, we've seen, women are motivated and fired up voters. And so I think, you know, that could be a factor. Maybe we could have more than the dismal number of women in Congress come yeah. exactly. oh, California is one of the lowest in the country in yeah. terms of women in, in elective office. Exactly. It's, it's embarrassing. All right. We got a lot more to talk about. We're going to take a very short break and then we'll be joined by Josh Newman, the state senator from Orange County, recalled by voters Tuesday over his vote for the gas tax increase. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Welcome back to Political Breakdown. I am Marisa Lagos here with Scott Schaefer and our crack team of post-election analyst, KQED's Katie Orr, and the San Francisco Chronicle's Joe Garofoli. And now joining us on the line from Fullerton, California, is Josh Newman, who until Tuesday was the freshman state senator from Orange County. Might still might be. Still be. Might still be. Republican uh, opponents organized a recall of him. They said over his vote to increase the gasoline tax, uh, which was uh, intended to and is raising money for transportation improvements. Josh Newman, welcome to The Breakdown. Thank you for having me. And so I guess we have to ask, you're still the state (laughs) senator as of now, right? (laughs) That is correct. I I am until the state judge, this is important uh, to note, I'm still the state senator until the election results are certified. Okay, well... um, what Our are you condolences? Feeling? Yeah, what, yeah. Are you, what are you feeling? It's been 48 hours. Uh, you've had a lot of time to think about this. Uh, what are you thinking about? Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing to reflect on. So this, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. So, so the, the, the really wild part of the experience, I'm sure we'll get to part of it, is I had never really dealt personally with the alt-right until yesterday. Uh, and so, you know, we had a vote on Tuesday, uh, and I guess something – about the election was featured, I think, on Fox News and some other sites. Uh, I have been barraged by trolls and death threats, oh, uh, and you name it, since then. So uh, that kind of gives you the flavor of of the politics of this thing. Wow. And and are you like, I mean, why do you think that is? Just that they found out who you are? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's sort of symptomatic of the age we're living in. Uh, and as, as you know, this race didn't get a lot of uh, the recall didn't get a lot of attention from conventional media. Certainly not in the way that I thought it would, especially about the ethics uh, and the and the methods used. Uh, but as it as it sort of percolated to the top of, of that pile, it, I've gotten a ton of attention uh, from a bunch of folks who mostly don't live here. Uh, some do, but who are uh, you know kind of what we've we've gotten used to in the in the world of trolls. What do you um we talk before the election. I think it was actually election day. And you were saying you felt pretty good. There was a pretty good uh, get out the vote operation uh, with labor. I mean, was that sort of whistling past the graveyard or did you really think you were going to get this thing? Uh, I, uh, uh, it might have been in retrospect, Scott. But it, 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 uh, I, I mean, I was very gratified at the level of support I got from uh, you know, a bunch of uh, folks that I, I think very highly of. So that wasn't just organized labor. It was a bunch of local community activists. Um, and it was, you know, the members of my caucus in the state Senate. Uh, I, I guess we really didn't anticipate two things. One was the level of turnout was far lower than I think folks had assumed. Uh, and two, the, the anger uh, about the gas station, I think the impact of a year of the drumbeat on, you know, conservative talk radio and some other places, 
uh, certainly had an impact where, where we thought we had a better shot at turning our voters out. Uh, you know, I got 165,000 votes to win in November 2016. That's actually more votes than turned out total on Tuesday. Wow. So, you know, Senator, we I, I was down there last year when this recall was first. Uh, they were out collecting signatures. And, and you know, we've all talked to you. And, and I know that you, you know, you were a political neophyte when you decided to run for this office. You're a former veteran. Uh, you have a family. I guess I'm curious, like, do you have any regrets? Because this whole thing, I mean, almost from... God, the day you got into office, this this thing's been going on, and I just wonder if you know if this kind of turns you off of politics. Uh, you know, I will say it has been a, an interesting experience. So, as you mentioned, I mean, the irony of it, Marisa, is you know, as I think you remember, I, I when I ran, I, I wasn't actually my party's choice. Uh, I actually beat another Democrat to make it into the general. And then as you stacked all of my Democrat colleagues and I up on a kind of political scale, I, I am certainly not uh, the poster boy for you know liberal democratic politics. But because I was vulnerable, because my district is you know is very close in terms of uh, registration, it was very close election. Uh, I find I found myself uh, you know sort of to be the poster boy of the gas tax rebellion, such as it was, and, and uh, uh, you know that that was the pretext. Uh, but that's certainly there's something much bigger about it. Uh, how do I feel about it? You know, uh, I guess I probably haven't fully processed it. Uh, but I still believe in government. I still believe in people and, and in politics when practiced, I, I think, honestly uh, and civilly. But it, it has been an experience. You know, my wife and I have this kind of interesting conversation uh, where, you know, since it started last April, she, she would ask me on a regular basis if he would think it's worth it. And, you know, it's an interesting question as you as you answer over time. I still think it's worth it. But then she has another observation where she says, oh, yeah, that's right. Now I remember why good people don't want to be in politics. Oh, <laughs> that's sad. Well, uh, Senator Newman, this is Katie Orr. You, you sort of alluded to it in your last answer. Do you really think that this was truly about the gas tax or was this about people wanting your seat? And if it was about the gas tax, what does that say for the referendum coming up in November? That's a good question. I, I think this was an intersection of, you know, sort of the, the clever utilization of a, of a hot-button issue. But, but if, you know, if it were really about the gas tax, we voted on that last April, 81 members uh, of the legislature, 54 assembly people, 27 senators, including a Republican. Right? So uh, it, it's hard to make the case, I think, that I was deciding vote. If that were true... It, I would not have been the only one. What it was really about was, you know, kind of the, the application of a certain kind of partisan politics where the ends justify any means. Uh, in this case, it worked. So it, it doesn't bode well for not just for the SB1 repeal effort, but I think more generally for, you know, for politics overall in California as we move forward. Yeah. Hey, uh, Senator, it's Joe Garofoli here uh, with The Chronicle. I remember when, we were, when I was down there, it was, uh, we, we uh, had uh, a, a lunch and, we, uh, and I was out canvassing in your district. And I was surprised kind of to piggyback on that is that most people didn't know, not only did they not know who their <laughs> state senator was, but they didn't know who their congressperson was. And it wasn't so much personal about you. It was like, as Carl DeMaio told me, he said, it's kind of the gazelle theory. You only won by 2,400 votes. 
So is this something like the weakest gazelle? The weakest gazelle. I mean, it's you know, Joe, that's, Joe. I won by twenty, almost twenty six hundred. Twenty six hundred. Sorry, sorry. I have twenty four ninety eight. when they it added the provisional ballots. <laughs> so I mean, but that by that okay. token, well, they were all provisionals. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get, did not count the provisionals. But is this so? Is this something can that can be extrapolated? That kind of would want to yeah, hear a little bit more so. about I mean, that. I, you know, I, I, I do not take it personally that your observation. So not only do people not know the state senator in my district, yeah. uh, that is true in most districts, even in those districts that are, that are uh, you know very safe uh, on either side. And, and so, uh, you know, that, that that more general sort of connection between people and their government, people and politics, is very frayed right now. And and it, it's it's you know kind of simplified uh, and distilled down to you know anger. Uh, I think on both sides. And, and so. Uh, it, it does not bode well. I, I think you're right. Um, it, and, and certainly, uh, it's not a pleasant experience. I, I mean, I will tell you that, I, you know, as I think Marisa alluded to, I, I you know, I, I was an idealist. I ran because I thought I had something to offer. Um, I'm a centrist, pragmatic guy. It is just mind-blowing uh, to find myself, uh, you know, sort of characterized the way that, you know, clearly has worked. Uh, I am well-known now, uh, you know, among Talk show radio listeners, uh, AM radio, they've done a, a super effective job with their audience. So you're going to stay in politics? Are you going to stick around? Are you going to run again? It's a good question. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, you know, to my wife's question, is it worth it? Uh, there's another question, which is, what if, what if the good people do drop out? What if, what if people uh, decide it's not worth it? Uh, and then we, we basically see the field to them, right, to the angry people, to the trolls, to the uh, to the manipulators, and, and you know, frankly, on either side, and, and so you know, I, it's got to be worth it. I think we still need good people. I'd like to think I'm one of them, uh, and so I, I'll give it serious thought. Let me ask you, Senator. You know, it's never easy to cast a vote for a, a tax increase, uh, especially if you're not in a safe district. And, and do you think that what mm-hmm. happened to you on Tuesday is going to give more elected officials, either in the legislature or elsewhere, pause about taking a vote that's, you know, what they feel is the right thing to do, but which is really politically risky? Well, you know, as, as you know, in, in politics, right is a relative term. And, and I think that, that there's already proof to that effect. So, you know, we voted for SB1, uh, the, transportation the, you know, the gas tax, the transportation bill, exactly, in April. Uh, when, when, and, and, you know, the recall for me started in May. We voted for the two cap-and-trade bills in late May, I think it was. And by then, the effect was very clear, where we got, uh, you know, all members of my party on the first bill. Uh, they could not get six members in the Assembly, and those, no coincidence, were members from close districts and, and what they thought would be hard races. Uh, and because of that, the governor had to make accommodations with, you know, not just Republicans, but with the energy industry, to pass a bill that was, in the end, watered down. But, but there's your proof right there. So last question before we let you go back to your family, Senator. I'm just curious, you know, Orange County, we talk a lot about not just in the context of this race and the gas tax, but all these congressional seats that Democrats are looking to flip. And one thing we keep hearing is that it is becoming more blue. It is becoming more diverse and younger. I mean, what's your read just uh, looking forward? Take out your crystal ball. Like, how does it look for Democrats in the fall around these congressional races? Well, um, you know, sort of stepping back from my recent personal experience, <laughs> I, I think in the fall, 
uh, you know, it's also, before I answer that question, it's important to note that Orange County is thought of as this sort of deep red bastion, uh, you know, sort of the last uh, refuge of conservatives in California. But my area, which is not just Orange County, it's, north, it's also southeastern uh, L.A. County, a little slice of San Bernardino. My, my district is actually has more Democrats than Republicans. It's, it's actually 36 percent Democrat, 34 percent Republican, you know, some about 25 percent no party preference. It, that doesn't really account for turnout. Turnout was a big deal in the primary. But if turnout is anything like November of 2016, it is not unlikely that, that some Democrats will, will flip uh, a couple of these House seats in Orange County. One more question, then we really will let you go. Do you feel like... Uh, I, I, I just, by the way, I have nothing but... <laughs> All right, well, stick around. Do you feel that, um, you know, does the vote speak to the power of the gas tax repeal uh, as an issue in, in November? Do you think it's really... Is that a winning issue, not just for members of the... Uh, you know, trying to... People running against legislators who voted for it, but for John Cox? Well, let me ask you, and I haven't been following it because I've been busy, but did Regional Measure 3 pass? It did. It did. It did. That, just for listeners, that's the nine-county so, Bay Area vote to increase gas uh, uh, bridge tolls. tolls to pay for transportation. Yeah, it did pass. Right, and, and I, that, I think that's important. So, you know, people actually, it, it, I think if you if you look at a little deeper about taxes, right, and, and the gas tax being an example, um, the, the citizens of California are not unwilling to pay taxes. What they want is the assurance that for every dollar the government takes, they'll get something close to a dollar in value. And so Regional Measure 3 is an example, Measure M in L.A. County, a uh, similar example, where when we go out, when government goes out and deliberately explains the need and explains the process uh, and also gives assurances on transparency and accountability, people are, are open to making those kinds of investments where, where we probably, you know, in retrospect, and I've had a year to think about this, uh, what was probably different about SB1, uh, the transportation bills, it was not explained in that way. And so people were not given that assurance. And one of the ironies of this election is, is I don't know if you know this, but Prop 69, which was on the ballot, uh, which is you know, the so-called lockbox measure to protect the SB1 monies. I was the primary author of that of that uh, measure before it went to the voters. And, and so, you know, that's the lesson. Uh, and so my hope is that by the time November comes around, uh, that everybody uh, has been duly apprised as to how the money will get spent, where the investments will make. And it's been made clear to people, for instance, that the money can't go to the government's high-speed rail and those kinds of things. And, and I think if they have that assurance, they will acknowledge that California needs these investments. We cannot... Uh, support a 21st century economy on, on 20th century roads as they crumble. Senator, well, you got your legacy there. You got your legacy. <laughs> Senator, thank you so yeah, much. For, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. Well, that does it for this edition of Political Breakdown. For ongoing coverage of this election and its aftermath, check out kqed.org slash elections. Aftermath. And <laughs> check us out anytime. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, and you can also rate, review, and subscribe to The Breakdown there. Our producer is Guy Marzarati. Our engineer is Seal Muller. Ethan Lindsay is our managing editor. Holly Kernan is our vice president of news. Thanks to our guests, Katie Orr and Joe Garofoli from The Chronicle. Thank you. I'm yeah. Scott Schaefer. You can fun. follow me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Schaefer. I'm Marisa Lagos. Follow me at MLagos. And that is a wrap. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. 
Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.